all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hola a todos. Bienvenidos a una verdadera charla sobre el cuerpo de Cristo. Hey, hello, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. This is Body of Christ Real Talk, your host, Joseph Brownlee. Welcome to my show where you're going to get real talk information with no spin. You're going to get straight up real talk, straight up uh, information that's coming straight from fact or just some type of hypothesis or opinion. You're going to get that here on Body of Christ Real Talk. Now. What I want, I want you to hear something. We have been lied to by our, by our own government for years, for 60, 70, or even longer. We have been lied to. Even in a 50-year window, just say with their started in the 1950s on up, we have been hoodwinked. We have been lied to for so long. And I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. Uh, conditioning. I've been doing some teaching on conditioning and tradition. Traditions and conditions for the ones that have been listening to my podcast. If you want to know more about that, you want to hear the shows that I've been talking about, I recommend or advise you to go back to the last four, five, six, or even seven previous shows that are built up to today. I recommend you to do that to catch up. But for now, I want to get right into this because this is mind-boggling. I want to get into... Americans diet plan. I'm going to be bouncing back and forth with Americans diet plan when it comes to food or how we eat. Then I'm going to just bring it to a biblical perspective. Then I'm going to get back to uh, the spiritual plan for Christians. But both plans have been hoodwinked and bamboozled by false information. The two plans that I said I want to get stronger in was the spiritual and the physical, but I'm going to give you some uh, some history on both of them. Now, the one I'm going to be dealing with maybe for the next few days is going to have to do is going to be dealing with uh, a, the diet plan. I'm going to be plan paying a uh, plan. Excuse me, some audio video by audio of a documentary, very powerful documentary. It's two. It's three documentaries I want you all to really check out. It's probably about close to three, a little bit over three hours between all three of these documentaries. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is worth it is worth the time. And it has to deal with our uh, 
tradition building. You know, when I've been talking about traditions, how we all have been wired and been traditional tradition since birth. Since we, we start comprehending things, we have been we have been conditioned. We have been programmed. We have been caught up in traditions. And the, and the majority of what we know or what we believe or used to believe or what we believe now is based on societies, what society has taught us. Society in the whole schools, government, churches, etc., friends, you know, family. What society, we got a, most of our information and our belief of what society have taught us. Now, this is what I was saying. And I haven't looked at anything and I haven't checked out any data or documentaries. This is just basically I was using my common sense and I was using experience. And I and I and I know enough to understand that when you start doing that research and you start looking at life, what else, how else do we get a lot of our information? You have to think about that. Where do we get a lot of information that we believe? Most of our information. Where did we get the most of our information? Since birth. And you have to think it doesn't you don't have to be a psychologist. You don't have to have no training. If you just look back and be honest with yourself and get all the junk out your head, you have to you can ask this same question to yourself. Where did you get the majority of the information that you know today? Now, I'm not saying you still believe it. And I'm, I'm not saying you haven't got information or learned information on your own. We all have a built-in brain and mind to do that. I'm not talking about that. You know, I'm not saying we never created things and thought of things ourselves. But the majority of our life has been programmed and influenced by society. Society itself. And if you look at that, honestly, you will understand Okay, I'm speak. Let's look at America. Let's look at America. America has many guidelines. America has many laws. America has many traditions. See, and when you look back in America, when it comes to how you eat, how you exercise, what schools to go to, you see where I'm going. You know, marriage counseling, how you should be able to do this, what you should be drinking, what calories you should be eating. You follow what I'm saying? Most of what we know about calories, okay, most of what we know about exercising, I'm not, I'm going to talk from the baby booming years to the end of the baby boomers to the generation X. You know, I'm just going to go that route and then uh, not the millennium and stuff like that. But most of the time, most of our what we have learned besides home, because we, we got to start at home with, you know, uh, lifestyle, you know, traditions and rules at home. What you can do, how, what school you go to, what clothes you need to put on, what color you need to wear and a two parent house. So the majority of what we have learned, and all it's not saying all of it is bad, we need to learn because we don't come out knowing these things. We need to be taught. I'm not saying that. 
But when it starts in the home, I'm talking about when we got outside the home. When we got, we learned when we started going to kindergarten or even some for Head Start, kindergarten, then going to elementary school, middle school, et cetera, high school, et cetera, stuff like that. Through that time and on, we have learned most of what we know or what we believe or what we don't believe from society. But what I want to talk about right now because I'm not going to get so deep back up in that, but it it leads close to what I have been saying. Because really, it's just a somewhat common sense. And I have been doing this since the the three-year pandemonium with the the pandemic, and I do mean pandemic. It brought me to the point of the search things more and more and look into things more openly and more objectively now and including my country including my country my beloved country United States of America and since I have been doing that I'm finding things as I am so unpleased with I used to hear things but I'm going to be honest I was a patriot man I'm, I'm still somewhat of a patriot a strong I believe in America I'm a black man that's an American. I'm an American man that that is black. I don't never I never looked at myself as an African American. Society told me I was African American. Society told me that. Years growing up, you fill out an application. What do you have on it? What is your ethnicity? And it always had then African American, Caucasian. And in uh, Latino Indian, but when it came to black, it was always African American. It was never black American. They might have changed it now, or they use it interchangeably. But when I was growing up, it was African American. See, now I don't consider myself an African American. I don't consider myself that. People might differ, but I don't consider myself that. Society, the government, told me I was African American. Okay, so that's I'm not going to talk about that now, but what I want you to understand, I want you to what I'm getting into now is diets. I want to talk about what foods that we were told not to eat is basically the foods what we supposed to have been eating. Let me say this again. Traditionally. Here in America, we have the foods that we was told that was bad for us, that was bad for our health. What would you say if those was the foods that was good for us? I'm going to just do half of this video. And it's not going to be from the beginning, so it's going to be kind of in the center. But I just want to play maybe 30 minutes of it, 20 or 30 minutes. So please be patient with me. Because I want you to hear uh, this documentary. It's called Health and Wellness Documentary. It's another documentary I want you to check out called uh, The Fat Documentary. Or it's also a, a documentary called They Have Been Lying to Us Documentary. All outstanding document. I love documentaries. I'd, I'd rather watch a documentary than a movie of actors playing the part. Which is good too, but I like documentaries because they go back and they start hitting some very controversial things, you know. So 
I'm doing my research on this because I'm trying to understand what is the real diet. Just like I was, you know, I was trying to teach you on what is the real, what is a real Christian. This is going to be what is the real diet, what diet that really works and what foods we should be eating. So let without that any further ado, let's get into this. This is this this documentary was just in the middle. It's called Health and Wellness Documentary, and a lot of these, uh, quite a few of these people that have on here, have on here, yeah, <laughs> have on here. I now listen to them for my health advice. I don't listen to my regular doctor. I listen to them for my health advice. Okay. So for now, any further ado, let's get into this. This is another part of tradition that's dealing with health now. I dealt with the Christian, uh, the church the other day, and now I'm going to go back and deal with diets, what we should be eating compared to what the government and society told us what we should be eating. Okay, here we go. I became interested in mental health uh, and the, the connection between mental health and diet after I had developed a lot of my own health problems and had changed my diet and discovered uh, that diet had a lot more to do with health and mental health than I had ever been taught that it had. In my early 40s, about 10 years ago, I developed a number of mysterious symptoms that I think a lot of people, especially middle-aged women, will identify with. So things like uh, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, IBS, chronic fatigue, uh, migraines, uh, lots of different symptoms that uh, all of my very smart Harvard-affiliated doctors couldn't help me with. After about six months of trial and error, I arrived at this diet that was completely upside down from what I had been taught was good for me. Uh, it was basically a mostly meat diet, high in meat and fat and cholesterol. And uh, when I arrived at that diet, all of the symptoms that I'd been struggling with were uh, completely went away. And I thought, you know, this diet actually is also improving my mental health. And I'm a psychiatrist. The most powerful way to change your brain chemistry would be through food because that's where brain chemicals come from in the first place. Now, since I started in the awkward way I started this, I want I want to just keep you, I want to let you know uh, what she's talking about. Now, the story is based on the dangers of fats and saturated fats. Now, these are the things we have been told through traditional history since we was little of those are the things we should not be eating. Fats and a lot of meats and a lot of proteins. See, that's what we have been told we should not be eating. Now, that goes back, and I was born in 1964. From 19, just say 67, 68, I'm just throwing numbers out there. Just say when I start understanding and comprehending when I got to elementary school, from first grade on up. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. 
Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. That was the diet plan for America. Vegetables, grains, carbohydrates, you know, breads, little meat. Not a lot of meat because a lot of meat was bad. See? So what she is talking about, this is like a history of the lies we have been told about fats are bad. Fats are bad for the heart. Red meat is bad and stuff like that, you know, different things like that. So what she's breaking down, I don't know who she is because I just started right in the middle. I'm going to let you listen to a little more. But at the same time, I'm going to go back and and try to find who started that theory. Remember I said on my other show, traditions and ideas started from somewhere. Whether it's the church or whether it's society or belief, it started from somebody. Somebody kicked it off. Whatever, what most programs are kicked off or most traditions started from somebody, some human, man or woman. Holidays started from humans. Father's Day, Mother's Day, Halloween, all this stuff, you know, different things, even birthdays started from somebody. And it has and it's been embedded in our psyche. So it started from somebody. And the majority of the time, when it comes to foods, none of it has been proven. It's, it just happened to be a sh- little short trial, then a person come up with a theory, and the government took it from there, like today. Very powerful stuff. So let me play this. Let me continue first place, if you're getting most of your sugar and most of your glucose from the outside of the body, you run the risk of getting spikes, uh, uh, peaks and troughs in your blood sugar and insulin level. And those can destabilize brain chemistry. So those can create mood swings, insomnia, um, irritability, changes in appetite throughout the course of the day. When you eat a ketogenic diet, you're using fat uh, primarily for energy. And the brain is using, uh, to a large extent, ketones and white in the church had including the idea that not i'm sorry sorry i I messed up again so uh sorry about that let me try to find what i'm looking for just bear with me i'm trying to find this founder of the uh of the theory that fat is bad for us and meat is bad for us um, so let's get here because I think we need to start off with that. So just be patient with me if I can find it. Okay. I believe I'm close. Let's see here. All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Not Oprah yet. There's a lot on here. The documentary is over an hour and 35 minutes long, so I don't think you or want to hear the whole thing, but it is worth hearing. But I want you to do your own research yourself with this stuff. Okay, I'm not finding it. All right, let's, let's, I wanted to get the, maybe it's another document, maybe it's the other documentary I was listening to. But his name, I think, Elson Keys or something like that. Okay. What I'm going to do 
I'm going to let you listen to at least, uh, let's wait, maybe 35 or 40 minutes of it, uh, somewhat from the beginning. That way, I won't keep stopping, but once in a while, I will be, uh, you know, interrupting or stopping to try to give you a breakdown of what's going on. Those for the ones who don't know what's happening and everything. But again, the name of the doctor is called FET. The name of the documentary is called FET. Health and Wellness Documentary, but it is called FET. Well, that's the name of it. I said the name of it was Health and Wellness, but it's not. It's called FET, you know. And uh, Health Mits. It's about health myths and everything. So I'm going to be playing from the beginning. I want you to listen to this documentary very closely with an open mind of what's going on. So I'm going to start somewhat in the beginning. So uh, let's go from here. Okay, here we go. Fat. I've changed for There was drugs and there was brain surgery, and you're out of luck. And so... Third are significantly improved, and for a third it doesn't work. And yet, all of these folks we had taken Charlie to see never mentioned a word about diet. Nutrition information can be so confusing, and as advanced as we are medically and scientifically, the question remains, what food should we eat to achieve good health? We're in a war for information, and the fallout affects all of us. The media is just going to sell what people are going to buy. And if people knew the truth, they would know what to ask for. My name is Vinny Tortorich, and I've been in the health and fitness game for the better part of 40 years, specializing in weight loss. Over the years, I've seen everything come and go at least 100 times. But as a country, we've only gotten fatter. What should I eat? What pill should I take? Should I take a pill? What about this protein shake? We all know someone who's trying to lose weight, and most of those people don't realize simply losing weight doesn't mean good health. My mother, for instance, she was always on some diet. One week it was the Cambridge diet, the next week it was the Scarsdale diet, the next week it was the cabbage soup diet. But wait a minute, the next week she ate nothing but bananas. Where did that come from? I always wonder about things like eight eight ounce glasses of water per day. Really? Where did that come from? High blood pressure. You know, doctors will say, oh, you have high blood pressure. Stop drinking coffee. <laughs> it makes sense. You ever thought, of, you you ever wondered where did that concept come from? It's important for us to eat, drink eight ounces of water per day. Where did that come from? Is it scientifically proven? Where did that come from? Do, have you ever questioned that? I have never. I just, what? Like most of us, we just believed it. We just believed it. That eight ounces. You go to schools, you talk about different people. They they use it every time. Man, we need to be, I, I drink a little bit over my eight ounces. Some people say, man, at least eight ounces a day. I get my daily intake of water a day. A lot of people use this, no matter where you're at, germs or whatever. That's the term that we used. 
Now, how, why do we use that term? Because we was told that. We was programmed and conditioned to believe eight ounces of water was needed for us to make it through the day. What if we didn't drink eight ounces of water, which most of us have not? And then you have people that drink more. What would happen? I never heard what would happen, but <laughs> did it happen? Okay, let me just get back to this. I just wanted to get that in there. But this 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 documentary brings up a lot of things what I have already thought about. Coffee. Really? These are all just myths. The myths have become ingrained in our society far too strongly for people to realize they're myths. What are some of the health myths we hear every day? Grains are good for you and that is bad for you. Obesity is an energy balance disorder. Calorie in, calorie out. Calories in, calories out. As long as you're burning enough calories, you can ingest whatever you want. That you have to exercise to have better health. Saturated fat is the cause of heart disease. The low-fat diet is a healthy diet. We saw fat in the coronary arteries. That must come from ingested fat. A number of doctors are learning that almost everything we're taught about nutrition is wrong. And I realized there was this incredible story that we had gotten it pretty much completely upside down and backward on fat. Believe it or not, the story of how we got to where we are today started in the 1860s with the Seventh-day Adventist Church and a woman named Ellen White. Ellen was a higher up in the, the church. And she now let me get you. Let me get you a little break here. Uh, this is this is the start of all these theories. I never heard of this woman. I have never even heard of this woman. So they're finna give you. This is a history of what started all these theories of how fat is bad for you and how the vegan diet started and stuff like that. This is something I never knew nothing about. Now you finna find out how all this theory started. Okay, so let's let me. I just wanted to uh, uh, give you an introduction of what they finna talk about now. Okay, here we go. And she would have these premonitions. And one night she had a dream that God came to her and said that we shouldn't eat anything with a face. I was taken to another place high above this world and I, I, I heard a voice. There started modern-day veganism. It, just, it really didn't exist before then. There were other religious groups who were more vegetarian. They would eat eggs and dairy and so on and so forth. As a matter of fact, uh, God also told her that coffee and tea were bad, which made no sense because both of those are vegetation. Now, you notice he said she said God told her. And many people say that they use religions for their gain. Now, the, the sad and scary part about this is I believe a lot of these people believed it. Yes, they was told that by a spirit, but it wasn't God. It was either your flesh or some type of demonic spirit. It was not God. But people always use God to make things seem more real and, you know, set forth and you know, that makes people believe more, especially the religious world. Not just Christians, but the, not, not just Christians, but the religious world, when you put God's name in it. 
And you know, I have an issue with that. I talk about that a lot when people always use God to justify their belief or their theory. God told me, God told me, God told me this. Man, if God told all these people these things, then God is a liar. Then God is a manipulator. It might have been a God that told you, but it was a God with a little G because it wasn't the creator God. It wasn't Jehovah God. It wasn't the great I am God. It wasn't our Lord and Savior. But many people, even back then, used God. I call them religious zealots. You know, God told them to do all kind of stuff. Some people say God told me to burn up my child. God told me to do this. God told me to do that. God told me some strange to from some decent things to most wicked and perverted things. People use God names. Jim Jones and the Koreshes and all of them use God's name. Wow. Okay, let's get back to this. Not long after in our history, there was a man named Wilhelmer Stephenson. He also believed to a certain extent that a vegetable-heavy diet was mandatory for good health. He was an explorer who ended up living with Inuits in Canada in 1906. And in that time and place, he was forced to adopt a new diet due to the lack of options. He made a discovery that will change the way you look at food. Well, this raises the whole question of uh, food, then. You yourself must have longed for a green vegetable once in a while. Well, I did it first. At first, this preconceived notion is, I'm going to die. There is nothing green here. There, there is no vegetation. They simply eat fish and drink water. It was unlike anything that he'd experienced, right? Completely unlike the Western diet. It was probably 70 to 80 percent fat. The Inuit lived half the year on caribou and half the year on whatever they could fish out of the sea. For four and a half months, I lived on literally nothing but fish and water. And at the end of four and a half months, I was healthier than I'd never been before. And this is on an exclusive meat diet. That was exclusive fish in this case. On this diet, they were perfectly healthy. I mean, Stephenson was somebody from the medical world, and he knew what cancer was looked like. He knew what heart Okay, this man, uh, he believed in her theory, the lady that they was talking about, he believed that vegetables, vegetable eating was the key to a healthy life. What we have also been told, eating a lot of vegetables and little meat. He wound up being stationed in some type of island. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday trying to grab all the groceries in one trip oof not how you would have done that you know sometimes less is more like when you drive less and save with the usaa annual mileage discount usaa get a quote today secluded in the island and uh the only food was there was meat fish and you know and deers and stuff like that so he got so 
been out of shape because he didn't see no green stuff. He didn't see no vegetables. So he thought, literally, he thought he was going to die because that's what he believed. He believed that vegetables was the key to long life and uh, vegetarianism was the key of living a long life or veganism, you know. And uh, he was forced to eat meat. And that was his testimony right there in the interview. Those years he was there, he ate nothing but meat and wound up being the most healthiest he had ever been. The most healthiest, just eating fat and meat. And probably the majority of it probably was somewhat raw. I don't know that. But this is what this is what this is going to be talking about. So I'm going to try to let it go through without interrupting. And I will try to break down the best way I can just for the ones that don't understand what's going on. But I don't want to... I don't want to assume that you don't. And I know some people get aggravated with all this interruption because I would too. But the thing is, uh, this is about what we have been told. It has to do with the theory. We have been programmed to believe that fats and lots of meat was bad and carbohydrates and vegetables were better. Now, vegetables and uh, starches and uh, grains and stuff like that is considered in the carbohydrate family. So I guess you can just say a high carbohydrate or a low fat diet was what was it's the majority of the diet that we have been taught. We've never been taught. Uh, by the government or schools or doctors to eat a high-fat diet. It was always a low-fat diet with plenty of vegetables and little meat, but a lot of carbs. That's what we got that routine from. We was told carbohydrates was good and fats was bad. But what this documentary is going to show you and many others, and even they discover it now, which always has been true, fats and proteins and meat and red meat and any type of meat is the nutrition we have supposed to been eating all the time. But we was bamboozled, some purposely and some by ignorance. So I'm going to let this go through, then I'm going to elaborate on, you know, more about it, okay? So I won't keep interrupting because there's so much in it. If I do stop again when I get to that, uh, the one that started uh, the government to put it in a program, and so I could uh, break down who this guy is who started all this, you know, okay? What heart disease looked like, and he did not see anyone suffering from ill health in that community. When he came back to the United States, no one believed him, of course. What? People eating nothing but meat and fat? How could that be? They certainly would die. Dr. Charles Norris, chief medical examiner, does not approve of an all-meat diet. I fail to see why the case of the Eskimo with his strict carnivorous diet should be cited as an example to the white American. The Eskimo has never accomplished anything, and the white man has. We have a weakness of not learning from the natives, but rather teaching them. You see everything through the colored spectacles of your education you're bringing up. You know, we go through this whole idea of green good, red bad, green peace. A, a light turns green, it means go. Eat your greens, yet when you look at red, well, red means stop. Blood is red. It doesn't take long for media to pick up on these things, and we don't realize it's happening, but it's happening right in front of us. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Back to Ellen White and her visions. 
Ellen was having these premonitions and all of this was happening. The writings were happening in the mid 1860s. But 10 years earlier in 1856, a 12-year-old boy came to work with the church. His family was in a church, and that was John Kellogg. John, by the time he was 16, was writing and putting out literature for the church. He would go on to share some of the most bizarre beliefs that Ellen White and the church had, including the idea that masturbation and sex were off-limits. Excuse me, Ricky. To stave off these sins of the flesh, you should never eat meat because meat increases sexual desire. Well, this is what eventually led to cornflakes. That's right, cornflakes were created by Seventh-day Adventists to curb sexual desires. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Did you know that? Did you all know that? I never knew or even bothered to think about what what was the beginning and the reason for cornflakes. One of our favorite cent- cent- cereals, America's favorite cereals, cornflakes. I think cornflakes probably came out before any other uh, cereal. Seven Day Adventist. Remember that lady? She was a Seven Day uh, Seven Day Adventist that believed in veganism and all that. Don't eat meat because it starts a sexual har- uh, arousal. And invented cornflakes and stuff like that to stop the sex. Man, I had no idea about this stuff, man. Wow. Wow, this is amazing. I did not know that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I had to just get get this out, you know. <laughs> I had to get this out. This is incredible. Now, I have looked at a, this documentary already, but even when I see it again, and which I do, I look at things over and over, then I share it, or I just freshly look at things. You're going to hear some things if you pay attention. And I'm also going to give you a link to how to find these shows on YouTube. Uh, I'm surprised they're not banned, but you can find them on YouTube. And uh, so many of them. And I'm going to get into a lot of them. And then I'm going to tell you why. And how I am getting into this type of diet now and my results. But anyway, let's let's continue. Let's continue. He was the guy who figured out something that he termed dextrinization. It's when you cook down grain so much, it turns into dextrose. It turns into a sugar. You know, today when you see dextrose in a product, you should you should run in the opposite direction. It's as bad as seeing high fructose corn syrup. It's used for bacon. It's used in, in salami. All the, the, the luncheon meats that you get includes dextrose nowadays because it gives it a shelf life. It's a way to cure it fast. It's cheap. It's easy to do. So something that John... Kellogg started way back in the day has also seeped across to the other side and to the meat industry. There are two issues. There's always multiple questions. One is if you switch from a, a standard American diet of processed foods and sugary beverages and, you know, for lack of a better word, we'll call it junk, and switch to a vegan diet with healthy vegetables and beans and legumes and fruits, you're getting rid of a lot of crap that was probably bad for you, which is the sugar and the highly refined processed foods. You would expect somebody to feel better if they did that. The second question is if you did that and switch to a whole food diet that was animal food based rather than plant based, would you be, would they be healthier? I have spent 
aggregate in one of six years on red meat. That is uh, seal meat, caribou meat, muskox meat, polar bear, grizzly bear, and so on. The Stephenson diet was considered an all meat diet. So what he did in 1928 was subjected himself and a friend of his to living in the hospital, being monitored for an entire year, eating nothing but meat, fish, and water. And that became the famous Bellevue study. The studies on Stephenson, which were intensively made from every clinical angle, started on February the 13th, 1928. Stephenson was tested during the experiment with an excessively high-protein, minimal-fat diet and as a result became ill. Stefanson said the only time that he felt ill was when he ate too much lean meat, not accompanied by the fat, but that some thick steaks made him feel better again. <laughs> you have to have fat with a lean. As lean and fat together uh, make a perfect diet. At the end, there were six publications that came out of that experiment by different doctors looking at their, whether or not they got enough vitamins and minerals and everything they could possibly measure, and they were found to be in perfect health. Excessive meat-eating is not only not injurious, Dr. Lieb says, but the experiments tended to show that health was improved, resistance to disease strengthened, and the subjects underwent no variation from normal health. I wanted to try to dispel uh, from the uh, world the same misconceptions which I had of the Arctic when I went north. Uh, I used to think that I was well-informed on the Arctic before I went north, uh, and uh, But I concluded eventually that out of uh, 10 things that I believed about the Arctic before I went north, about six were wrong. The medical community has been promoting saturated fat as being the bad actor for um, heart disease, mainly. And that really came from weak science called epidemiology. The experimental evidence that shows that that's actually true has never been done. I mean, for example, you could radio label saturated fat in the food and see if it shows up on the arteries. That's never been done. The entire teaching about saturated fat being bad for the heart is not really founded in good science. It's not that the information is not out there. I remember early on when I was in college, I had a college professor explain to us that fat was our body's preferred source of energy. Okay, fat is a very good way to have energy. And that same professor a couple of weeks later said, our bodies prefer sugar when we do exercise. Weren't we talking about fat just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, forget about all that. It's sugar. So the message, even in top universities right here in the United States, are a bunch of mixed messages. Do I think there's a big responsibility for media to do the right thing? Uh, yes, I do. You know, we have three big networks, the big three, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Whatever they told us, we went with. Hell, when I was a kid, there was still even cigarette commercials on the air. At least we figured out that that was a bad idea. Don't settle for some of the taste, some of the time. It's very easy to see how someone can think something or just say something, and that becomes a reality. Breakfast. No eggs or fatty meats. Instead, eat grains and fiber that actually lower cholesterol. How about the term heart-healthy grains? We've all seen it. Many people believe it. After all, the terms come from studies that prove it to be true, right? Those were studies looking at whole grains versus white processed flowers and grains. 
So of course, when you're comparing it to something like white processed flour, it's going to be better. But does that mean it in and of itself is therefore heart healthy? You could make the argument that whole grains are less bad for you than uh, refined grains, but that doesn't make whole grains good. Oatmeal or oat bread or an oat muffin or oat bran that is either incorporated into some other cereal products. It's like cigarettes. You can have cigarettes with a filter on and they're less bad for you perhaps than unfiltered cigarettes. Doesn't make the filtered cigarettes good. It just means they're less bad. The same thing is true for whole grains. They are less bad. We should put more emphasis on our vegetables. We should think about the vegetables we're going to have for dinner rather than the meat portion. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy with a physical education degree who became a trainer and somehow found myself in the world of modeling. Before I became a trainer to the stars and eventually a best-selling author and podcaster. But when I started modeling in L.A. in the early 90s, I realized that the media would sell us anything to make a buck, regardless of whether it's healthy or not. Let's face it, every beer commercial you've ever seen is a bunch of ripped up guys on the beach playing volleyball because that's what beer drinkers look like. If you have ripped up abs or you have a nice set of shoulder. Now, the reason I'm interrupted now, because it. It's a lot of visual on this uh, video. Of course, it's a video. And there's nothing like looking at it visual. That's why I'm going to give you, uh, tell you what to look for to go to YouTube if you want to see more about this. But the, what he was talking about, we all, we know the media sells us a lot of uh, junk and, you know, uh, different things, what we should be doing and how we should look at stuff and what we should believe, like I talked about the other day. You know, but this beer thing, do you remember the commercials? Mostly all the beer commercials back then, especially in the 80s or whatever like that, you know, most of them was physically in shape. They was built. They was cut. The women's had nice bodies. But the majority of the time it was men was a nice body promoting beer. That was the opposite of what beer does to you. Now, if you want to make a real beer commercial, you will have mostly somebody that's kind of big with a big belly because we know traditionally. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Since 1981, Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org walk. Additionally, what beer does to your body and beer puts on a lot of weight, but they could not do that. They had to promote. That's the way they had to promote things. They are they they use false advertisement and they use people with nice bodies to promote something that's bad. So that's how it was with beer and a whole lot of things. Even like they done cigarettes, they used back in the thirties and all that when cigarettes and stuff was becoming hot. 
They use doctors to promote cigarettes and stuff like that. They use actors to promote cigarettes and stuff like that, you know. So that's been going on for years and years and years. But I kind of looked at this beer thing and I didn't, I didn't look at, I didn't pay no attention then when I was drinking beer, or whatever like that, man, all these guys got nice bodies, man. You you would be thinking they drinking some protein or something. Now this is beer and everybody got nice bodies and cut muscular bodies and women got nice figures promoting beer and drinking beer. And we know beer does not do that, but that's how they marketed it. See, you see how they play with your, our minds. Okay, let's let's continue. Holders, they want you modeling everything in the infomercials. It was the, it was the heyday of the infomercials. If we think that, then we are. Bad diets, powders, pills. Still, my weight's been up and down like a yo-yo. Until the AIDS plan taught me how to take off weight and help keep it off. Just 20 minutes a day will turn your body into a calorie-burning furnace. We were coming into this age of... Hey, if you just do what I tell you, you can look like this guy or this woman in just a few weeks. That's the thing, did it. I lost weight and feel great. Nobody wanted the truth. They just wanted a lie that they could get everyone to believe. Now you can lose weight without diets. No, this product really doesn't work. Without pills. No, that product really doesn't work. Without exercise. Well, what does work? Now you can lose weight just by watching television. So I learned very quickly, be careful as to what you advertise. <laughs> The 1920s and 30s, it was a lot different. We were learning a lot of things back then. Uh, we were discovering vitamins for the first time. Uh, we also learned that food could heal. And a lot of these therapies are what were being used to heal people. They were using non-starchy, non-sugary diets to starve cancer in the 1920s and 30s. Take Otto Warburg, for instance. He was doing cancer studies on rats. He thought that the outcome would be that oxygen was what was fueling cancer cells to grow. And what he learned with rats was that it was actually the sugar. In the healthy cell, glucose is split into carbon dioxide and water. The tumor cell, however, is able to split glucose into lactic acid. And so, in a certain sense, get along without oxygen and at the same time obtain the necessary energy from its food. This is true not only in tumor cells separated from the body, but also true of tumors in animals and human beings. His discovery was well known as the Warburg effect fact. And it was shown to help in somewhere near 80% of the cases of people who had cancer. Why does it feel like no one knows this information? We were making these discoveries. So what else contributed to them not taking hold? We had a Great Depression, and then we had a war. A lot of people were having trouble putting food in their mouth, period. So I don't think people were caring that much about their health. People were just trying to eat anything. People didn't eat out as much. We made homemade dressings. You didn't have dressings that were full of processed oils, and we weren't adding high fructose corn syrup to, to everything that we ate. We ate real whole foods that were cooked at home. Even fast food was different back in the 1940s and 50s. If you had French fries, they were made from rendered animal fat, basically beef tallow, which was a better way to cook junk food. So 
Even our junk food was better in the 1940s and 50s and 60s. It wasn't until we got to the 1950s where people started to become more prosperous. We saw the advent of TV dinners and all this stuff and more sugar and processed foods came from everywhere. But what really happens happened in 1955 when uh, one of the most popular presidents of our time, Dwight D. Eisenhower, had, had a heart attack. Use the President Eisenhower. Now, this is a history of the beginning of the out. Uh, The, uh, the outlawing of fat. This is the beginning, which I did not know. And you, I'm pretty sure you probably didn't either, uh, most of you all. This is the beginning of the negativity and the putting down fats. Started in 1955, believe it or not. Remember I said it's a start on everything? This is one of the starts when it comes to fats are bad. See, it is just, it, this belief was not from a thousands of years ago. This started in 1955. Did you know that? The theory that fat foods was bad for you. And I'm going I'm to play it on through. Now, Dwight Eisenhower had a heart attack. I didn't know nothing about that. And then after the heart attack, things started conjuring up with this new person that's going to come in, which this documentary is going to talk about, which I just found out about, you know, that started this theory. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. I want you guys to pay attention to this because this is going to help you to understand how we was traditionally conditioned on theories and myths that never been really proven. This is one of the theory and myths when it comes to our diet. And this was the beginning of the outlawing fat theory that fat is bad. You know, check this out. Definitely talk about the guy who started this uh, theory nationwide in America, okay? Check this out. Eisenhower's sudden illness, described by his doctors as coronary thrombosis, came as a severe shock to us all. Films of President Eisenhower made just before his heart attack are dramatic evidence of the suddenness of the illness that shocked the nation. President Eisenhower's heart attack struck at a time when he was close to the zenith of his prestige at home and abroad. It follows that the president's illness is a vital concern to the entire world. Well, if he could die, what could happen to me? You have to understand, this is a period in the 1950s when America is in a complete panic about the rising tide of heart disease. Before that, we never thought about heart attacks. We never thought about health and fitness. We didn't think about the food we were eating. No one back in the 1950s knew what their cholesterol score was, much less even knew what the word cholesterol meant. 
Medical textbooks tell us that cholesterol is a white compound, somewhat soapy to the touch, and is distantly related to alcohol. It is no alien poison to be avoided by man at any cost, but an important element in the body's chemical machinery. Cholesterol is a kind of a fat-type molecule. It's in all of our cells, 30 trillion cells. Cholesterol is actually so important to the body that it actually makes the majority of cholesterol that's in your blood right now. Most of the dietary cholesterol you eat will go through you, and very little actually gets absorbed. And of that cholesterol you find in the blood, most of it was made by your liver. It is an essential of nerve tissue, for instance, and a raw material for the production of several hormones, bile, and a form of vitamin D. It is found naturally in the blood, and also often in the walls of arteries and other blood vessels. If you eat more cholesterol, your body will make less. If you eat less, your body will make more, which makes it very interesting that it was so maligned in the past few decades. Heart disease had been rare in the early 1900s and had really risen since the late 1920s to be the number one killer disease by the 1950s. We took a collective gasp in this country. We didn't want to have another president die in office. Just imagine your president not being in the Oval Office for 10 days and he's in bed. Besides, this guy was very popular. People wanted to find out what caused it. Could it have been his diet? And if so, what was he eating and how can we change it? This was also the time when the media was more prevalent. Motion picture cameras join newspaper reporters in the old State Department building for an historic presidential press conference. The first ever filmed in sound by newsreel cameramen. Well, I see we're trying a new experiment this morning. I hope it doesn't prove to be a disturbing influence. The power of media, you can't really tell that story without telling the story of Oprah Winfrey. It was 1993, and by happenstance, I was put up for an appearance on Oprah. They needed someone the next day. They were looking for younger men who were dating older women. And since my girlfriend was seven years older at the time, I was invited on. I wasn't into it. Uh, I had no idea what really happened on Oprah. But I was told, no, you have to do it. It'll be great for your career. So they fly me to Chicago, and I get to the green room. I was introduced to a woman named Doe. The theme of the show was younger men who were dating older women. Older women having the courage to live their dreams and fulfill their fantasies and live their lives exactly the, the way they wanted to, including dating younger men. Doe said that I would have to pretend that I was dating her. And I said, what are you talking about? My guests today, they're all members of a provocative new kind of dating service. I told her that I would not go on stage and lie. I would go on stage and sit next to Doe, but I would not say that we dated. I quickly realized that I'd been bamboozled because Doe introduced me as her boyfriend. I'd like you to meet Vinnie Tortorich. He's a Beverly Hills fitness expert. He's hot, sweet, he loves women, and he's emotionally accessible. Uh, get out of here. <laughs> I couldn't believe what was happening. And at that moment, I said to myself, I'm going to turn this into... Not the Oprah show, but the Vinny show. Number one, women don't even hit their sexual prime until they hit 40. They don't even know what's going on until they're 40. I've been dating older women. See, I'm only 39. <laughs> I'm going to make this show so bad that they won't possibly be able to run it on national television. The idea with an older woman is the difference between riding in a Volkswagen and a Cadillac. If you want to ride in a Volkswagen, go right ahead. If you want the Cadillac, go for an older woman. Well, 
It turned into a circus. The people in the audience actually believed all this. Doe and I had just met. It was like the audience was participating in this huge game of Mad Libs. Two different generations. How was school? Oh, I learned arithmetic. I don't see how two people can have something in common if they're not the same age. It seems like people are treating this like some sort of fetish. What could you possibly have in common? Let's say Cher walked into the room and said she had to have you. (laughs) Get Cher on the phone. I ended up asking Cher out on a date during the show. Cher is on the phone. Cher, uh, my name is Vinny Tortorich. And <laughs> I want to say this in front of the whole country. Is the camera on me? Yeah, camera's Cher, on. Cher, I-, I live in Beverly Hills. Let's get together and have lunch. I'll have my agent call your agent, and we'll do it because we'll have a great time. No matter how outlandish I got, they seem to enjoy it more and more. What I want to know is from the ladies in the audience, should I have lunch with this guy? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you can see Oprah. Oprah started dancing in the aisles. The show ended, and I went back to L.A., and I just assumed, well, that show is going to bomb. As of last year, it was the seventh highest-rated show in Oprah's history. People still recognize me for it today, and virtually none of it was true. I took that realization that media can change everything. Eisenhower has a heart attack, and he wants the whole country to know that this was a real issue. I am happy the doctors have given me at least a uh, a parole, if not a pardon, and uh, I expect to be back at my accustomed duties, although they say I must ease my way into them and not bulldoze my way into them. But the media had other ideas. They have their own agenda. Ah, uh, he had the common cold of heart attacks. He didn't really have a bad one. The media was trying to show him on the golf course, having a great round of golf. It was thought that diet was the cause. He was also like a four-pack-a-day smoker, <laughs> which may very well have given him his heart attack. Yes, according to this survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Try camels yourself. Right around that time enters Ansel Keys. Ansel Keys was... Now this is the this is the Joker right here, Axel Keys. That's what I wanted you to get. If I don't go, we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy. Eventually, with replacement blades just ten cents each, you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with one hundred free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com/slash/holiday. Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family. With more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. Any further in this documentary, you know, because I want you to see it yourself uh, in the video visually, but I'm going to play as much as I can. I wanted you to see XL Keys, I like to say, the father of inventing the theory with his little research of why fats are bad for us. Now, to put a face on a, the uh, the instigator of this belief, his name is Exo Keys. So listen closely about his story and what this the- and where this theory came from of fats are bad for Americans. 
This is in the 1950s. Here we go. This was a pathologist at the University of Minnesota. He got the idea in the 1950s that uh, saturated fat and cholesterol were what caused heart disease. It strikes without warning. A pin men, we can express five to get it. But we can't say who or when or why. Ansel Keys was this incredibly persuasive person. He had a really outsized belief in his own ideas. The facts are simple. You know the chief killer of Americans is cardiovascular disease, disorders and degeneration of the heart and blood vessels. Here are vital statistics. They show that this problem here in America is the worst in the world. Ansel Keys was famous for something called the Seven Country Study. This is where he went and studied seven different countries and came up with this hypothesis as to how we're supposed to eat based on correlation. Ansel Keys is the one who proposed what he called the diet heart hypothesis, and that was that saturated fat and cholesterol, dietary cholesterol, would give you a heart attack, especially saturated fat like you know, like hot oil down a cold stovepipe. It would just clog up your arteries and give you a heart attack. The problem is he cherry-picked these countries to fit what he was trying to hypothesize. It set out to prove that the more calories you got from fat, the better chance you had of getting heart disease. It seemed like a straight line between the least fat consumed and the most fat consumed with the U.S. at the top. The only problem is Keyes studied 22 countries. And if you factor in all of those countries, the results were all over the place. He just took the seven countries that proved this point, that fat causes heart disease. This study made Keyes the temporary savior of the medical community and therefore the world. Such that. Did you hear that? We had certain laws passed and told in our diet program that fats was bad based on exo-keys, this exo-keys theory. It's called his seven country theory for the ones that understand this. He used a theory going through seven cherry-picked countries but left out the other 22 countries that had data going everywhere and wasn't lining up to his theory. So, in other words, he only used the countries that came close to line up in his theory. He excluded every other country, over 22 countries he excluded. Well, in all, out of the 22 countries he visited, he picked seven that lined it up with his theory. That's what they're saying. And I'm going to let it go from here, but I want you to understand that. The cherry picking. See, as many ways people make up their data, even today, they cherry pick. They live, the, the CDC does it. The FDA does it. You know, they do it in politics. They do it in science. It depends what side you're on, the left or right or whatever, or the middle. You cherry pick certain data. You won't hit the full data. An honest person, an honest scientist, a platonomy person, or doctor, will look at the whole data regardless because they want truth. That way, they're honest. They're going to say, we're wrong. But a person that has an agenda, he's going to cherry pick what lines up in his belief. And same thing happens in churches and religion. 
they cherry pick the Bible. They leave out the other context. They leave out the whole books. They pick a few verses out of the Bible, a few verses from here. See, you see the trend. You see the trickle. It happens all the time. And many people are convinced off certain data or certain theories or certain belief by that cherry picking. And they don't know nothing about the other countries that he ignored because it didn't agree with his theory. If he would have showed the whole picture, it would have never got passed because it failed big time. So he just picked the seven. You see how that started? And ever since then, which I'm going to let them finish, we was on this diet and we was on this belief that fat and cholesterol was bad. Okay, let me continue. I want to just uh, uh, break it down to the ones that probably have a hard time understanding it. Here we go. Such that he was able to get onto the American Heart Association Nutrition Committee and he turned the whole association around in one year and got them in 1961 to recommend that all Americans restrict saturated fat and cholesterol in their diets in order to fight heart disease. Dietary fat and its relation to heart attacks and strokes. Most persons in the United States who are overweight will find it profitable to reduce their total caloric intake. Reducing the amount of fat in the diet is one way to do this. This is the first advice anywhere in the world telling people not to eat saturated fat and cholesterol to fight heart attacks. That's like the beginning of it all. That is what just blossomed, bloomed, grew into the giant oak tree of advice that we have now. We have no credible evidence to say that saturated fat causes heart disease. And that sounds crazy to say when you look at our government guidelines and our dietary guidelines, but there is no high level credible evidence to show that saturated fat causes heart disease. The interesting thing about Keyes, he got virtually everything wrong, but it never infected his humility. a time right now when we've had a narcissistic turn. People are very primitive and narcissistic, a lot of injuries in childhood, and it has caused us to perhaps not have the most uh, secure sense of self and identity. People attach themselves to one particular approach to diet, and it develops into an identity around which people maintain a religious intensity. They defend it as though any question uh, in their dogma is like you're questioning their religious dogma or threatening the very sense of the, the fabric of reality. And so we start looking around for things to attach ourselves to and political groups, religious organizations, different diet fads. We attach ourselves to these groups and we look to the groups for our identity. So our going forward in life is, is, is somehow threatened by somebody saying, hey, maybe fat's not so bad for you. Okay. <clears throat> You, you understood that, what he was saying. It was basically what I've been talking about through all this series when it comes to traditions and conditions, how we get a lot of our information. He used it in a better term. He's a better speaker, <laughs> but he used it in a better term. Remember, I was saying there's always somebody out there that can break it down very simple. Now, I didn't get that from him or nobody else. I, I was just using my common sense. But he broke it down more of a more precise way. We find in society, we 
heard things, we mimic things, and we find it. We we look for things to latch on to that we can believe in. We needed somebody to hold our hand to show us things the majority of our life. That's why I mean, in a sense, that most of what we believe in, what we think, and even how we walk and talk is based on our society. We didn't create it ourselves. We was created by someone else's thinking, thought pattern, ways, and culture, and beliefs, you know. And he was just, he's, he's just talking about it basically in a diet and food. But the whole society, religion, education, relationships, all this stuff is basically built around that, how we learn what we think and different things. You could talk to many people and they have a philosophy about something that they did not create themselves. They heard it from someone else. They might have added more to it. We all do that. But they heard it from someone else. Now, what what needs to be figured out, is it true or false or is it just a theory? You see, you have to differentiate. Is it true? Is it a fact or is it just a theory? You see, most things are passed, listen closely, by theories, not truth or scientific fact, but by theories. By theories. Let me let them continue. It's, it's positively comedic, but it's becoming ridiculous. In the United States, coronary heart disease is so common that you have, all one has to do to study the complete natural... Now, this is the voice of the XL Keys, the guy that started saying that fats and cholesterol and saturated fights need to be stopped as part of our health problems. This is his voice. There was some connection between coronary heart disease and cholesterol in the blood. No question. We hear over and over and over again that cholesterol equals mortality. We've seen it in the commercials. Fleischmann's margarine. It's the only leading margarine made from 100% corn oil. It has no cholesterol. We've heard about it from our doctor. Over time, they build up on the walls of veins and arteries, helping to clog them, restricting blood flow. It's what causes heart attacks and strokes. We've heard about it plenty of times from our friends and our family. And because of that, we tend to think it's just simply the truth. It certainly has the degree of repetition that we would expect. In the 60s and 70s, we were focusing more on the specific types of cholesterol, LDL and HDL. And LDL became known as the bad cholesterol. And all of a sudden, medicine was focused on LDL. It was noticed that higher cholesterol in the blood appeared to correlate or track with higher heart disease rates. Cholesterol is carried in the blood by proteins called low-density lipoproteins, or LDL. The seizures increased in... The seizures increased in intensity. Just a sample of men, any sample of men that are now healthy, follow them, wait a little while, and a lot of them will have coronary heart disease. But it wasn't very long before it appeared that there was some connection between coronary heart disease and cholesterol in the blood. No question. We hear over and over and over again that cholesterol equals mortality. We've seen it in the commercials. Fleischmann's margarine. It's the only leading margarine made from 100% corn oil. It has no cholesterol. We've heard about it from our doctor. Over time, they build up on the walls of veins and arteries, helping to clog them, restricting blood flow. It's what causes heart attacks and strokes. We've heard about it plenty of times from our friends and our family. 
And because of that, we tend to think it's just simply the truth. It certainly has the degree of repetition that we would expect. In the 60s and 70s, we were focusing more on the specific types of cholesterol, LDL and HDL. And LDL became known as the bad cholesterol. And all of a sudden, medicine was focused on LDL. It was noticed that higher cholesterol in the blood appeared to correlate or track with higher heart disease rates. Cholesterol is carried in the blood by... Now, uh, I kind of pushed the wrong button. That's why you see me play that over again, because for a reason. What I wanted to do before I pushed that wrong button, so I apologize on that. I had to go back forward. Something I didn't know, and I still don't know too much about it, LDL and HDL. Those are two type of cholesterols. Those are two type of cholesterols. Now, remember, there's good cholesterol uh, and there's bad cholesterol. In, in, in a nutshell, cholesterol is really not bad, but I guess one that goes higher and one that goes lower. The one that's lower is good. The one that's higher is supposed to be bad, according to some doctors or scientists, if I'm getting this right. But LDL and HDL, from what if I'm getting this right, LDL is the bad cholesterol that uh, shows that cholesterol is bad by how high it gets. So they never focus on the HDL, the good cholesterol. They only focus on LDL. So what they seem like they are saying is doctors was trained to, on, when they check cholesterol, only focus on the bad cholesterol. So ever since then, when we get a cholesterol check, they only focus on the LDL, the bad cholesterol level, and ignore the good cholesterol, what's doing good about the cholesterol and the HDL. You see what I'm saying? I just wanted to get that out there for the ones that don't understand. Here we go. I'm going to play a little bit more, then I'm going to try to get it to the end. I'll go fast forward, and then I'm going to elaborate on it. Blood by proteins called low-density lipoproteins, or LDLs. The more cholesterol we eat, the more the number of LDLs, and that's dangerous. So essentially, the idea was developed that the higher cholesterol was getting into your arteries and was causing arterial disease. As the higher that lipoprotein level goes, the greater the risk of heart disease. There are some studies that show a correlation. Does that mean causation? And this is a very important differentiation that is too infrequently made. Because something is correlated doesn't mean it is the cause. So if high cholesterol is present in people who are having heart disease, we have to look a little further as to why that is and if there are other factors. When you really look at the studies and you crunch the data, LDL is not the best marker for heart disease. What's even more powerful are your ratios. So whether it's your total cholesterol to HDL ratio or your triglyceride to HDL ratio, those have better predictive value than LDL itself. The ratios indicate your level of insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance. So the best cholesterol measures are not actually even talking about a cholesterol thing. They are indirectly talking about insulin resistance and health. A lot of the fat research, well, look, we saw fat in the coronary arteries and we thought that fat must be coming from somewhere. It must come from circulating fat and that must come from ingested fat. It was a very simplistic kind of idea. The contrary opinion, the, the alternative hypotheses, which has been around for ooh, a couple hundred years, is that we get fat 
because we eat carbohydrates like pasta, potatoes, bread. They used to be called simple com- simple carbohydrates. Um, now the terminology is changing to adjust to the fact that a lot of people think maybe these starches, as my mother called them, are not quite so good for us. We focused in just by timing and bad luck on this idea that saturated fat causes heart disease. And we bought into it, even though the evidence ultimately didn't really support it. And we made everything else we believed about diet have to be reconciled with that. Dr. Key's singling out of excessive consumption of fats as a major factor in coronary disease is by no means accepted by all investigators. In front of us, day by day, are in, uh, increasingly more and more very tempting foods. Mm-hmm. In the mid-1960s, John Yutkin comes on the scene. He's a British scientist. He thinks sugar's a problem. When people have heart disease, they don't just have elevated cholesterol. In fact, they often don't have elevated cholesterol. They have a whole cluster of metabolic abnormalities, 10, 15, 20 things you could measure. And Yudkin was saying, if I feed animals sugar or I feed college students that I'm using my experiments sugar, I could cause pretty much all of these things just by giving them a lot of sugar. See, up to, say, two or 300 years ago, the average consumption of sugar in this country was about four pounds a year. And that's splendid. I'd be very happy if everybody had four pounds of sugar a year. They eat a hundred pounds. Comparative studies of the diet of 41 nations have convinced Professor Yuck that there is an almost exact relationship between the consumption of fat and sugar. Moreover, many sugar-containing foods, cakes, candies, cookies, chocolate, ice cream, various kinds of puddings also contain fat. You always eat some fat. So if you eat high-carb foods, you, you raise your blood glucose, you raise your, blood, your fat-storing hormone insulin, and you're going to store the fat that you eat. It's all individual how much you can tolerate, but if you eat more than your body can tolerate, then you will most likely gain weight, gain fat. Drawing the analogy of the relationship between diabetes and national sugar intakes that could statistically also be related to the fat intake, Professor Yudkin considers that heart disease may well be causally related to the consumption of sugar. And instead of looking at it, Ansel Keys just jumps right on top of it in the media and turns his guy. So what's going on here, since you can't see it, you have this this debate between Ansel Keys and his theory that fat and high cholesterol is the problem of, you know, health problems and obesity and stuff like that. Now, this other doctor, Dr. Youngkin from, uh, I believe they say England, Great Britain, his theory is that sugar is the problem of your health problems. So you have a, a battle in the 60s on those debates. Later on down the line, Dr. Uh, uh, Elson Keyes ridiculed this doctor that believed in the sugar theory. And they put him down. They, they prosecuted him. You know, they just done all kinds of things like the media do today and what you like, like the Fauci's and all of them. So they made this man look really bad, you know, and, you know, with unproven theory. They... He was a doll. He was a war doll. I heard he was a good debater. This uh, El- Elson Keys, the the one that brought up the theory that fats and high cholesterol is bad for us. That was put in our uh, what's they call it, our diet and stuff like that. And this Lumpkin came up with a theory, and I guess Keys did not like that. 
so they, he kind of ridiculed him and put him down and everything because man, well, it's almost like man, who you come, who are you to come up with this theory, man? You know that contradicts what I am teaching. In other words, I already told the government, I told the Heart Society and everything like that, and you coming with another idea. See, you see how that uh, correlates to a lot of things that's going on today with science and also religion. When you teach, even in the Bible, the Word of God, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to throw this out there. When you teach the Word of God and you come up with something that no one never heard of, even though it's in the Bible, they look at it as a theory or they look at it as false teaching because they never heard it before. Or the attention is becoming off them. So you have the same thing happen in churches. Remember, I said I'm going to put a lot of things in a biblical perspective because the enemy, Satan, used the same tactic on everything, society, religion, everything. He used the same tactic. You want to know what happened? If Satan is in it, look and follow the trend, how he does things. And it, and it always happens with, there's always a majority of belief when it comes to certain things. And then he makes the minority look bad or like conspiracy theories. Satan always worked that way. And remember when I say God always, most of the time, used the minority. You know, not an ethnic group. So I'm just talking about groups. You know, he never used a bunch of people or crowds or the majority. He always worked with the minority to prove that it was him working. Man won't get the glory. They will have to give God the glory because he used so many little people. Satan does the opposite. He uses the majority of what people believe. And that's very, that goes very well here in America, most American. I know I use most a lot because it's just true. Say most or a lot of Americans believe because what the majority believe, it must be true. See, and usually it's the minority. But that's how we've been also traditionally conditioned that whatever the majority believe, no matter what it is, religion, schooling, society, it has to be true, even if it hasn't been proven, even if it don't make no sense. The majority wins out over the minority, and the minority winds up being conspiracy theories and everything like that. You know, you think about the some of the people that was outlawed and kicked out of the United States, like the Edward Snowden, you know, and uh, the WikiLeaks things and people like that. We was in a uh, the uh, Oliver North and a uh, Clarence Thomas. Remember the 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 the, uh, the, uh, the stuff that they went through with Clarence Thomas, Oliver North, and everything like that. Society and the media had us to believe that Clarence Thomas was cheating on his wife and he slept around with this woman and he was a doll. Society had us believe that Oliver, Oliver North and the Iran-Contra thing was the wrong and the wrong during the Reagan presidency. The majority believed that because the media overwhelmed us to have us believe that, you know, all of us. You know, you look at that, the Eric Snowden and the WikiLeaks and stuff like that, and even some of the conspiracies, some theories, you notice they all were smaller and got a minority of believers, and we was taught and programmed to say they was weird, and they was conspiracy theorists and everything. Why, in reality, the majority was being bamboozled, and there was some truth. Even you, you roll it all the way back to today with the, uh, the virus and the vaccine rollouts. 
The majority of the people was believing that these vaccines will work, while you had a group of minorities who said, no, I'm not going to take it. But who got the most attention? The majority. Satan always masterminds that way. The enemy always masterminds. That's how you can know he has his hand in it. He never changes. It happens in church. The majority of the church do not listen to Paul's teaching. So therefore, nobody would believe Paul's books is the way we should be going today. The majority believe in the four Gospels and the kingdom program is for today. You see how that trend goes? It's always the majority. So whenever, usually, the majority of the time, it's the majority of something, you need to question it. You need to find out not what the majority are saying, everybody agreeing with each other. Find out what their minority is saying. Find out why they're so different. And you you will learn, how come so many people against these people, but they seem to make more sense than the majority? They seem to make more common sense than the majority. They seem to make more biblical sense than the majority. Mm, that's what you got to do. It won't hurt to find out what the minority is. Why are they throwing out this Kool-Aid? What's in it? Let's find out what makes it so sour to the majority. See, that's what we got to learn to learn to untraditional, learn to uncondition ourselves. I do this daily and I learn so much better. See, I'm going to play a little bit more. And I'm going to go, what I'm going to do now, because of time constraints, you have the idea what this is about. So I'm going to play a little bit more, and I'm going to let you listen to some more in another podcast, because this is very important. Let's go. Uh, this guy into a nut job. He was really a bully when it came to trying to quash anybody who opposed him. Ansel Keys wasn't going to let anyone come in and rain on his parade. He published a nine-page rebuttal in a journal called Atherosclerosis in print. He said Yudkin is a mountain of nonsense. It is clear that Yudkin has no theoretical basis or experimental evidence to support his claim for a major influence of dietary sucrose in the etiology of heart disease. He's and his colleagues managed to paint Yudkin as a quack and portray Yudkin (laughs) and his sugar theory as quackery and to say there was absolutely no evidence to support it. None of what is said here should be taken to mean approval of the common level of sucrose in many diets. He's was more, had more political influence and more savvy maybe than Yudkin and somehow this dietary and we were spending money testing the dietary fat hypothesis so even though the tests weren't confirming it the more money they spent the more people were wedded to the hypothesis having to be right these studies are extremely expensive and there have been enough good studies done to support our moderate approach which is looking at balanced foods vegetables fruits grains and lean meat and dairy products. The argument, once again, is it has to be tested. When you believe it's wrong, prima facie, you're not going to spend the money to test it. Why are these nutrition scientists just not more curious? Okay, I'm going to stop it there. But the name of this documentary is called Fat. Look it up on YouTube. Easy. Fat. The documentary, health and wellness documentary, is called Fat. They have two parts, Fat 1 and Fat 2. I'm going to check out Fat 2 myself, you know, when I get through with this. But this is called Fat. But I want to leave with this. I was talking about the majority. We must learn We must use our discernment, our God-gifted common sense. 
especially as a believer. We must, it's okay to backtrack. It's okay to research things. It's okay. Many people are not even interested on what we should be eating or what diet program or what's the history of this or what's the history of that. I can understand it for each his own. For each his own. I'm not trying to force this on nobody. But what I am trying to say, I'm not only using this diet uh, format of what's really going around in the whole society. Traditions and conditions. We have been lied to. We have been lied to. Now, what if you have been listening... Uh, if you have been listening closely uh, and you're still not catching on what's going on, go to YouTube and just tap in fat. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Your home is more than the sum of its parts. And creating a truly extraordinary space is about more than picking the perfect products. That's why the experts at Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery are here to help you throughout the entire process to create a home that's as unique as you are. Bring your vision to us. Schedule your showroom consultation and see more from brands like Monogram at build.com slash Ferguson. Documentary, you have all kind of stuff shooting up on there about the uh, the uh, the benefits of eating fats and uh, protein. The benefits, the proven benefits from several doctors. See, it's the remember I talked about the fad that's going on now. Especially in the United States, is the ketogenic fad, the uh, carnivorous fad, the uh, the lion fad. Most of them is high protein, low carb is getting hot again since the Atkins diet. That's getting hot again. Why? Because people are finding out. They are having their own personal results. They have been told. We have been told that high fat and protein was bad. That's why you go to a lot of butcher stores and they cut the fat off. Something that they, something which needs to be kept on. See? We was told it's okay to eat chicken, but it had to be lean chicken or it had to be the white meat. Remember that? We could eat steaks, but it had to be lean steak or lean ground beef and stuff like that, you know, or different things like that or sugar, whatever. We have been programmed to believe that. But in reality, it's just the opposite. It's like a re- reverse effect they've done to us. It's just the opposite. See? Now, this Alex Keys, I, I forget his name, is the, I call him the father of the theory that high fats and high cholesterol is the number one danger of health. 
And it started in what, 1950-something, 55 or whatever? Because before 1950-something, remember, there was no guideline like that. A lot of people were eating fat and different things like that. Not everybody, but a lot of people was eating a lot of meat, you know. He went all the way back to the Great Depression and everything. People made their own homemade stuff. They had made their homemade uh, uh, meats and whatever they found, whatever grains or whatever soups they made or grits or whatever, they made it homemade and it was good and they didn't get fat. The reason they didn't get fat eating the same thing because they didn't have all that pasteurizing and all that other junk that they put in it then. It's just when uh, later on down the line with technology advanced, increased, like I was talking about on my other podcasts and people start getting more knowledgeable and different things. That's when the change started coming and they started using factories to do the animals and stuff like that. And they start pasteurizing the milk even worse and whatever like that. Milk, that's why they start having outlaw and raw milk. It's a documentary on raw milk. Have many people there going against raw milk and everything. Now, I don't like raw milk. I don't like the taste. Why? Because I wasn't brought up on raw milk, even though raw milk is better for me. Raw milk is nasty to me because I already been programmed and I, I grew up on pasteurized milk which I always thought was real milk, but actually pasteurized milk is actually just a bunch of sugar without the real sweetness. Remember the term sweet milk? Why they call it sweet milk? Because it's a lot of sugar. So the the milk that was good for us then, even though it didn't have no good taste, was raw milk, but it was better for us healthier when it comes out to the cow, see? But we have been programmed to say that they had to always clean it and they they cleaning the, the raw meat and they, they getting all the junk out of there just to make it better. But on a, but what they was really doing, they was putting all kind of preservatives and all that stuff you read on the back of the, the labels on milk and stuff like that. That's what they added with it. And it come out the cow like that. It's what, that's what they put in it. That's what hurts us more today. So people said, man, milk is bad, man. I'm lactose. You're lactose because what they put in, they put lactose sugar and stuff in. It's not because it first came out of the cow, the raw meat, the raw milk, I'm sorry. It's what they put in it. So when they start outlawing fat and then replacing it with veggies and stuff like that and grains, we was trained to believe that was the diet for us because we was programmed to believe that. We was programmed to believe that. Now, this information right now, they don't want you to know even today. They don't want you to know that. But they are finding out. Now the guidelines have changed a little bit. Now they're saying, according to what these doctors are saying, now they're saying, well, a little more protein and a little more salt won't hurt you no more. Because we was also told salt uh, uh, raised our cholesterol, raised our blood pressure. We was told that. See? We was told that. But is it really the salt or is it really or is it a combination of things with the carbohydrates? It's the combination of things. See, if you just pop some salt in your mouth or whatever like that, that salt is fine. You can put salt in water and drink it. That's fine. But when it's, it's with other carbohydrates, it's the combination of things that make it bad. It's just like at that time, like you said in the past, fast food burgers and fries was good. 
Why? Because they didn't use these those dangerous oils like the vegetable oils and the cooker oils, which is once a bunch of junk that they use in airplanes and stuff. And I didn't know that. You know, we've been eating all kind of creepy stuff after uh, the 50s. We've been eating all kind of crap. But anyway, hamburgers was decent and everything because they didn't have all that stuff in it. The burger. See, the burger itself. You can eat McDonald's today if you just take the buns out of it. You can leave some of the condiments, but just imagine taking all that other stuff out. You can leave the cheese and everything and have a nice burger. I had one. Man, I ate three one-fourth ounces of ground beef today. And the reason I ate that because I couldn't pull them apart. <laughs> but I just, I put them all together, man. I couldn't eat it all because I get full fast. Now I get satisfied because I'm on this diet now. And I get satisfied now faster. But I just force myself to eat it all. And I don't like to force myself. And that holds me until usually I eat twice a day now. I don't use a three-day regimen because I know that's a bunch of garbage now. You can eat whenever you eat. But it's still nothing good to eat at night, especially if you just got heartburn. But if I ate a ground beef right now, it would not bother me compared to eating carbohydrates, carbohydrates and sleeping on it. Then that's when I heartburn and the inflammation comes. But if I ate protein, it wouldn't bother me as much until tonight. You see what I'm saying? What we have been told that was bad for us, it was actually good for us. We've been sold on taste in America. Because you have to admit, a lot of this stuff, they put out there tastes good. The carbohydrates, the macaroni and cheese, the different, the oatmeal and all this stuff that they say was good. Remember old cream of wheat and all this stuff. The different type, all those are starches and carbohydrates, which is bad for us. But they taste good. See, sound like the enemy again? How he manipulated Eve to eat that fruit? Her eyes. It looked good to her. It was good to the eyes. See, that's why she ate it. It looked good. Satan used the same tactics. It tastes good. Smoking makes some people feel good. Marijuana makes people feel good. If it makes you feel bad, you know people ain't going to want it. But the key is the taste and how it makes you feel. It's all about feeling when you're in church. What's the main course? What's the main trait? long as you feel good, long as it makes you feel good. See, if you feel bad, many people, majority of people wouldn't go to church. It's all about them feeling good. They feel the Holy Spirit. It's all about feeling. Because I don't feel nothing, the Holy Spirit must be upset with me because I don't feel nothing. But when I feel something, I start crying. It's the Holy Spirit. Even if you're sincere, you're sincerely wrong in your spiritual walk. My point is, the majorities of all those things I hit are I'm talking about are somewhat wrong, not the minority. And I'm not saying all, not the minority. Okay? All right. Now I'm gonna end it with this. And I'm gonna do some more uh some more clips on uh the second part two of the documentary called Fact. It's called Fact. Too. And I'm finna check that out now and I'm gonna give you some information on that. And that, the reason I'm doing that because this is what I'm I'm experiencing myself. And I know for a fact with myself 
the high protein, the high fat diet is the best diet for me or to me anybody that's obese that want to lose weight obese. I also believe through reviews and doctors, real doctors, even famous doctors, you know, uh, that the nutritional benefits you get from eating a high-fat diet compared to a low-fat diet. They done a test that nobody know about. They use people groups. They done what we call it. The, we was... This one is so much of a placebo test, but they done a test. They they uh they had uh three people. What three? Well, they had a test of uh first of all. Uh, they used a hundred people that had type two diabetes, and they put them on the high uh protein, high fat, low carb diet. They put a hundred people. This is a real test, real survey, on a high-protein, low-carb diet. And out of 100 people, I think I'm getting the numbers right, out of 100 people, 60 of those people die type 2 diabetes was reversed. This is real data. This is real study. The mainstream media and the other, uh, all these uh, whack, quack doctors would not tell you that. It'll mess up their money. They want to keep you sick. But 60% of that 60 people of that 100, their type 2 diabetes was reversed because they started eating a high-protein, high-fat, low-carb diet. See, there's an attack on that format, first of all, because it doesn't line up with the USDA recommendation of the way we should be eating low fat you know low fat high carb diet see that's the opposite that's the uh, USDA recommendation even if FDA Food and Drug Administration recommendation the way we should be eating so it contradicts their uh, even though they don't have no data and they know uh, the majority of the people have been getting sick off those diets. Even vegan people have, are changing over to the high protein and the low carb diet. They changing right over. I'm talking about die hard, strong vegan people that have been on vegan for years have changed over now because they see the, not the weight loss so much, but the nutritional benefits of a high protein, low carb diet. These are real people. Real people. So you might have somebody say, well, we hear a lot of things about what the high protein and a, a low, high fat diet does, but it's anecdotal. Now, they tear that word anecdotal up. Anecdotal meaning it has not been scientifically proven by the FDA and all these other scientists and quacks out there. But you don't need no anecdotal proof when you have experienced it yourself. You have seen the benefits work on yourself. <laughs> you became the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hay. You became the guinea pig. You have seen it work on yourself more than one time. And because if you if it failed, it wasn't a diet that failed. It was you failed. 
See, because it takes a discipline to do these diets. It does take a discipline to do these diets. See, high carb, I mean, a high protein, high fat diet. I'm not going to lead you wrong. It takes discipline. What? Why do it taste discipline? Because we're so used to uh, eating high carbohydrates and food and junks and oils and margarines and stuff. I used to be a margarine freak. Not freak, but I used to love margarine over butter. I didn't know butter was better. And I didn't know margarine was bad. It was a killer. But I liked the margarine. I even thought margarine looked prettier. But I used to wonder how come you could put margarine and butter. You can have two pans. I know I'm going everywhere. You can have two skillets. One you could put butter in, and one you could put margarine in. And when you put the butter in, the butter melts slowly and it's kind of smoothly, like a cream. But when you do the margarine, the margarine starts popping. It starts spreading out and getting oily and popping. You ever notice that? We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday your home is more than the sum of its parts and creating a truly extraordinary space is about more than picking the perfect products that's why the experts at ferguson bath kitchen and lighting gallery are here to help you throughout the entire process to create a home that's as unique as you are bring your vision to us schedule your showroom consultation and see more from brands like monogram at build.com ferguson I used to notice that, and I used to say, man, what's up with that? And I never paid attention. It's oil. It's, it's oil. Bad oil. See, I didn't know that then. I know that now. You can do a lot of anecdotal tests yourself. Fake cheese compared to real cheese. You try to melt them. See which ones melt. Ones that melt quickly and beautifully compared to the ones that are like plastic or don't do nothing. Fake cheese and real cheese. I just learned that if the package don't say cheese, it say pasteurized cheese, or it might say some other type of cheese, it's fake cheese. 50% of it is fake cheese. But if it just say cheese or natural cheese, organic cheese, that's the cheese you want. Any other name, this type of cheese, pasteurized cheese, special cheese, low-fat cheese, that means it's fake cheese. It's only 50% cheese. You, you see what I'm saying? You will not know that if you don't educate yourself because the uh, USDA and the government is not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you that. See? But you can do tests yourself. On any beef or anything, you can do tests yourself. See, we have been sold on Low fat. That's the one of the still hottest diets today, even though they don't work scientifically either. And they get beat bad when they go up against a high protein, low carb diet. That's why they don't want to go through their challenge. See, they don't, they don't want to debate that too much because they know scientifically it has been proven that a high fat diet, low carbohydrate diet is the better diet for losing weight and for nutrition. 
but we've been told the opposite. And still today, one of the most popular diets today is still somewhat the low-fat diets, the Jenny Craig's and the Weight Watchers and the Slim Fast and stuff like that. You see what I'm saying? Even today, it's just like Christianity. The majority of the churches follow the kingdom program. The majority. We that sees the truth are the minority. Okay? Now, what I was going to say, this diet is a strict diet. Now, what I mean by strict diet? It's strict because you're eating a lot of meat. And people might say, oh, I don't have a problem eating a lot of meat and stuff like that. Yeah, but we used to eat a lot of meat with carbohydrates. But just imagine eating a lot of meat with no carbohydrates like I'm doing now. Or a lot of meat with only green vegetables like the keto. Or like the Atkins. Just imagine changing that. You have to get through the taste first because you used to natural sugar, natural refined sugar, stuff like that. So many people don't make it because they use, they get stuck on a certain taste. So they don't make it. Even if the diet is working, they blame the diet. When, when it's them because they caught up on taste. And they addicted to sugar and saturated, you know, not fats because that's a good thing. They, they're addicted to sugar and they're cholesterol conscious when it comes to meat. They're been, we've been trained to, uh, to believe that cholesterol is the problem. Okay. Well, anyway, I wanted you to check this out. My time is running out, but I hope you get some. And I hope you look for this documentary called Fat. When you go to YouTube, you will see a lot of things on might be called fat, eating you alive, you know, and different things, fat, sick. And I'm looking at all this stuff right now. It's different documentaries that you don't know nothing about. That's lifting up high protein, low carb, not putting it down. They're giving you real science and uh, data on this. Now, back to where I was going. I don't need no anecdotal test for myself because I have tried it. I'm on it now. I see the results. I have lost quite a bit of weight within just two weeks being on the all carb, the high protein diet. See, this is the first time I'm doing only protein and fats. I'm not doing no carbs, no carbs, because I know we've been told we need vegetables in our diet in which we don't. And I'm going to get into my next podcast about the, the, uh, the defensive dangerous toxins that are in plant foods that a lot of us don't know nothing about. There's different defensive toxins that's made in plants. Since the curse of Adam, there's certain toxins in plants. That's a defensive mechanism for animals. So certain animals will not eat it. That'll hurt the animals and hurt the insects, but it also will hurt humans too. There's some dangerous plants out there, and some of them are some of our most popular greens. I'm not going to tell you now, but you might be shocked, you know, but the mainstream media is not going to tell you that, tell you this. So we always grew up there. Make sure you have vegetables in your diet. You can eat your, you can eat nothing but high protein and fats and never eat a vegetable or a fruit in your life again. Now, I'm not saying you do that, but you don't have to. And compare the nutrients between fruits and vegetables and high protein and high fats, you will be surprised who what 
what more, uh, what nutrients you get out of more. We were thinking you get more out of fruits and vegetables, actually you get more out of meats and red meats and uh, animal meat and stuff like that. Duh, yes. I'm going to get into more of that and I'm going to play some more documentaries on that. But I'm on the high protein, uh, no carb, not low. And I'm not recommending you to do that. I'm going to give you some suggestions that'll help you, but I don't recommend you do that. See, I've done the Atkins, I've done the keto, but I said I want to do the high pro. And I'm saying right now, with no, I don't miss no carbs. I don't miss no sweets. I don't miss no. I, I stopped bread months and months ago. I don't know when the last time I ate some bread, you know, but I don't, you know. I don't I don't do no sugars. I don't have not eaten vegetables. I never was a big vegetable eater anyway. Now I used to feel bad, but I know now I don't never have to eat another vegetable again because all my protein is coming from my fats and my protein and stuff like that. And I can put salt, I can season. And I'm losing weight and I'm feeling better. I don't get uh, as much heartburn. I haven't got no heartburn when I don't think about it, nothing like that. It's still things that I can feel in my body, but it takes time. But I know I am lighter now, you know, the focus part, all that I'm still working on. But remember, I'm just in my going over my second week on being on the lion diet, which is just all meat and no carbs, too little carbs. Remember, keto, you have some carbs, and Atkins, you have more carbs. But this one, the lion and the carnivore, carnivore is strictly no season or nothing, just straight out meat. The lion, you can have some seasoning, but, you know, no carbs. But it's okay. But if that don't be good carbs like greens and stuff like that. But I'm just, I'm going to do it for all protein, fats, and stuff like that, no carbs. And I'm going to keep you up with the results of what's going on with me. My weight has dropped. No doubt about that. But I'm not going to weigh myself until after my first month, Lord's willing. I'm not going to weigh myself till July 12th, Lord's willing. That's why I'm going to weigh myself. See, I know when I'm losing weight. I know my body, if I can see it in the mirror, and then somebody already told me, you're losing a lot of weight. And I say, yeah, I eat a lot of meat. That's all I said. <laughs> I just said, yeah, I eat a lot of meat. That's all I said. Because it sounds foreign to people. Because the first thing kind of person, man, ooh, you need all that meat. Ain't that dangerous? I know that. So I just leave it at that. Don't mess up my flow. You know, if you want to know more, then I'll talk about it. But I just leave it at that. I just eat a lot of protein. I eat a lot of meat. Okay? And it's working. I am experienced. I am the science of experience that high protein, low carb works. It works. I don't need no tests and anecdotal. Or nothing like that because I'm experienced and these people that's losing, losing hundreds of pounds and having reverse diabetes and some people having reverse dementia, illustrated dementia you know, on these type of diets, you know, testimonies chronic diseases, a lot of people being reversed, see God always had a format out here for eat for us the way to eat we just never paid attention to it we have healing stuff out there and it's really not the leaves I'm not saying all leaves is bad all plant food you know but when you got an animal or cow grazing in a, a, a fresh farm and not locked up in no factory that's the cow and that's the meats you want that's outside and are able to be free and walk around not locked up in these stables like a lot of these factories have them and stop 
poking them with all kind of stuff and all whatever. You get a, a cow or whatever out of that environment and get the meat from there, which they call organic and stuff like that. That's the meat that you want if you can get it. Why do you think Bill Gates is buying up all these farms, over 200 and some acres of Americans' farm? See, I think he's one of the founders of the impossible meat, which is fake meat, fake beef. Why do you think all these cows getting killed and all these animals all of a sudden getting killed and these food plants are being blew up and destroyed? You think that's a coincidence? They are, they're trying to bring in this, uh, this type of fake meat and fake food. And they promised they would put it on the labels, but I don't believe nothing the government say. So we get to the point, we got to sometimes go back old school and start doing things ourselves, animals or whatever. But I hope, I believe the church would be gone by then, but there is an attack on our animals in the name of, you know, factory-made food and almost like bionic animals and foods and stuff they're just making now. A lot of that stuff, even in the stores, is being replaced with this fake stuff, and we don't even know it. We need to learn texture. We need to learn what's real and what's not. It's up to us now. We're on our own because the government is going against us. It's up to us to find out what's real and what's not. Stay away from all processed food, bolognese and all that crap. If you can't get it from a straight out butcher, butcher or whatever, stay away from it. Or just read the labels. Read those labels. If it costs more, sometimes it's better. If it's too if it's cheap, then use this fake. It's no good. It's mixed with all kind of stuff you don't even want to know about. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ Real Talk, where you're gonna get straight out real talk on any type of topic that's allowed on this show. You're gonna get straight out real talk. Until next time, I'm going to get into more about diets and what we should be eating. Then I'm going to bring everything again like I used to do in the biblical perspective. Now, the most important diet I want to get into also that we need to start for Christians is a Christian diet. And I'm not talking about physical food either. (laughs) I'm talking about a diet from all the junk and the traditions we have grew up believing. I want to talk about that diet next time. Okay? The Christian diet. We need a Christian detox. Because there's so much junk and false teaching and crap that's in us, in our belief, that's been bombarded in us traditionally and conditionally. I want to talk about the Christian a Christian diet and how we can get out of it or how you can get out of it. I'm not into it no more. That's, we're going to get into that, all right? A Christian diet, which is also the minority that discovered there is a Christian diet. And all it takes is getting rid of a lot of junk. But it's going to take discipline. And it's going to take strictness. We're going to have to be strict on our physical diet and on our spiritual diet. It's going to take strictness. We're going to have to deny our body physically and spiritually as a believer on these diets. It's going to be hard, but it's doable. It's going to be hard, but it's doable. But you got to want to do it. It's, it's up to you. If you like the way you are, if you, that's you. And eating 
and spiritually you like the way you are, that's on you. Some people are going to stay sick. Some people are going to stay mediocre in the traditional type of belief. They won't branch out. But I'm just giving you this opportunity. It's up to you on both of these diets. That's very important in our lives. We need our physical health while we're on this earth. We need our spiritual health so we can be able to help others and ourselves mentally and spiritually. God bless you all. Until next time, this is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ Real Talk. I'm going to leave you with this. You don't have to be saved to be forgiven. You have already been forgiven. Now you can't be saved. God bless you. Amen. Peace out. Love you all. Bye-bye. Lift up, Pee-wee. know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions and it's because that occasional shave really hurts it's the time of year for big occasions and yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor let's help him out henson shavings line of razors built with aerospace precision deliver a smooth shave your dad brother and even son can enjoy eventually with replacement blades just 10 cents each you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life how's that for the perfect gift Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.